It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. All across the fantasy universe, welcome one and all to the two-point stance, powered by FantasyPoints.com. What's up, everybody? I'm your boy, Brian Drake. Drake Fantasy on Twitter, hanging and banging with the managing editor of FantasyPoints.com, Mr. Joe Dolan. Joe, what's up, brother? How you been? Ready for I'm, a, a big auction draft tonight, I hear. Yeah, so uh, fancy seeing you guys here. Yeah, because my uh, this is my first like big redraft outside of the Flex Leagues, which, uh, by the way, if you... Uh, this is on YouTube. First, you see my, my girl Butterscotch and Crimpit over here, my girls on that couch. And then back there, I don't even know where to put them because I have so many Flex League belts. Um, three in the last four years, they're over my shoulder. Um, so hi, humble, YouTube humble brag, going humble bragging right now. Now, but uh, this is my first like uh, uh, ho- home, you know, with my buddies draft tonight. It's the the Friends of Points auction, um, and I'm thrilled about it. So, well, good timing, I guess, because now I get to pick Drew Davenport's brain before I go into this draft. I'm gonna I'm gonna be like Jim Carrey and Batman forever. Where he sucks all the brain power from from everybody in Gotham becomes super uh, super intelligent. Uh, that's what that's what this is going to be like. Hi, Drew. Hey, buddy. That's quite a compliment. I don't even know what to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> if, if if you guys don't know the great Drew Davenport, you can find him on Twitter at Drew Davenport FF. And Drew is not only an auction expert, host of the Auction Brief podcast, which you can find. Uh, anywhere you get your pods, and he just dropped his big auction manifesto. He is also the two-time auction champion of the King's Classic from the Blanda Division, dominated that uh, huge industry draft, and he's a practicing criminal defense attorney. So you also find Drew putting out these great law blogs uh, and threads on Twitter. So if you want auction talk, you want fantasy news, you want some uh, law insight about your favorite players that are getting – uh, arrested uh, on the reg, you can follow Drew at Drew Davenport FF. So welcome to the to the show, my friend. Uh, and, and Joe, what's going on? You got I see you got your hand ready to fire is that, away. A, is that a Manchester Orchestra album over your shoulder, Drew? Heck yeah, it is, baby. You're oh, a fan. I, I saw them last month. Um, I just saw them this past weekend. So uh, uh, Jimmy, my we uh, were. Uh, friendly with the drummer from jimmy eat world so we got to go backstage and it was oh, it was fun but um like a manchester orchestra put on a really good show um it absolutely poured in Asheville, north carolina but uh i'm sure you enjoyed the concert did they open or did they close so manchester was a headliner and i was pretty happy about that yeah. um because that's who i was there to see i like jimmy eat world they're, they're fine yeah. but they're not my band manchester's my guys and Oh, they killed it. And and the way he ended the show, I posted it on Twitter because it was the way he ended the show was incredible. You know, it was every a time really I really good concert. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. I, I saw that because I have I have it, it's it's back over there. My uh, I have a record back there, too, but it's not Manchester Orchestra. Anyway, uh, th- this We've is a uh, we're off to a great start here. Belts right? behind us. I've got the winged eagle WWE championship over my shoulder. Uh, because Graham Barfield stole my belt. Thanks a lot, Pat Fryermuth. So we'd all be sitting here with belts today, but uh, I had to buy mine, unfortunately. But we're here to talk auction strategy. There is no more fun way to draft a fantasy football team than with an auction. We know in snake drafts, redraft, as you call it, 
you know, you have whatever pick. I got the one five. You're kind of pigeonholed into who you can get. Not in an auction draft, okay? Auction draft, you can literally go out and within reason, uh, your budget allows, get anybody you want. So we're going to kind of bop around here, talk about auctions, talk about auction strategy if you've got one coming up over the next few days. Um, so, Drew, first and foremost, how did you get into the this auction game? How did this kind of become your niche? And why would you tell someone to say auction's the way to go for your fantasy draft? I got two words for you, David Boston. Uh, I actually started in the fantasy football world with an auction, which is really weird. I understand that. But I I was in these those uh, those dumb online ones. This is back in the late 90s where you had like a, a, a salary cap, but every week the players' uh, values changed. And so you could like get a better or worse team based on how they did that week. And my buddy says, no, come play in my league. I had no idea that there was like a league where you drafted players where you just pick players because I just got into this auction league. I'm like, okay, this is what we do. Well, my very first year, I drafted David Boston for like eight bucks. And that was the year he had like 1,500 yards and eight touchdowns. And I was hooked. And I that leads into why I believe it's the best way to draft. I really, one of the things I always say is, you know, that feeling you get when you're on the clock at your draft. Um, a normal snake draft and you're thinking to yourself, okay, uh, who do I want? You know, you got that little surge of adrenaline. You get excited to put a player on your team. That's how you feel the entire time you're doing an auction. And I tell people that all the time. I'm like, you're engaged and involved with everything going on all the time. It's easily the most fun way to draft. And people always complain, well, it takes too long. And I'm like, it's draft day, baby. Come on. Like this is supposed to be fun. Why wouldn't you want it to take a little bit longer? So that's my best argument for why you should do it. And, and obviously, you know, the idea that you can get any player you want is exciting too. You can't mm-hmm. go into a, a, a snake draft and get Austin Eckler and Justin Jefferson, but you can do that in an auction. And it's just so much fun to figure out the bills and figure out how you're going to spend your money. I've read both of your guys kind of a draft manifestos to put it uh, easily uh, you know Joe's over at fantasypoints.com Drew you've got stuff at football guys you got stuff at four for four I highly recommend everybody go out read these articles uh, they will get you set up for your auction draft uh, in an even more in-depth way than this podcast will when you're preparing for a podcast guys how do you or not a podcast geez Louise when you're preparing for an auction draft I'm the guy that should talk about preparing for a for a podcast when you're doing an auction what do you bring? How do you prepare? It, it's, is it as easy as, oh, I'm going to show up with my cheat sheet and, and here we go, you know, because there's really no ADP. So I'm walking into my first ever auction draft this weekend. How do I prepare for this? Joe, let, let's start with you quickly. Yeah. So um, I, I think maybe this is going to come off as really bad advice because I do this for a living. Um, but I what I do to prepare is I, I try to clear my mind, you know, um, when I go into a snake draft, as Drew alluded to, I kind of know if I have the 12th pick, all right, this is a spot where I might go receiver receiver and then come back and get myself a run running back and another receiver, something like that. What to prepare for an auction draft, I grab a beer, I open my computer and then I clear my mind because how, the draft starts is going to dictate how I'm going to plan for that draft. 
because I am never somebody who's going to sit there and say, well, I'm definitely not going to be drafting Christian McCaffrey because he's going to be too expensive. Because let's just say everybody in the league starts to think that way. Everybody in the league is very clearly placing a higher value on the top wide receivers or vice versa. Then I'm going to start delving into those waters for those elite players. So it is entirely dependent on how the rest of the room is reacting at the beginning of the draft. And that's how I am going to prepare for my draft. I have a general idea of how I want to build my team. Um, and this year, I, I auction in, in, in the years recent, I have benefited from a zero RB or a modified zero RB approach. So maybe that's what I'm going to presume I'm going to do at the beginning of my draft, but it's going to be dictated by what the early values, because in, in an auction draft, inevitably somebody might be cheeky and throw sky more out there in the first round of nominations, which is stupid. Um, uh, and I'm sure drew will drew will allude to that. Why that, why that's not really an ideal strategy, but inevitably in the first few nominations, an elite player, a McCaffrey, a Justin Jefferson, a Jamar chase is going to be nominated. And that's when I start to see, okay, is this room, is this room being shy? Is this room being aggressive? And then that's where uh, my strategy comes from. It is an on the fly strategy. Yeah, Drew, yeah. you kind of benefited from that at the Kings Classic this year with your you snagged Cooper Cup at a price where I remember you walked over to me during the draft and you go, Holy Christ, look at the price I just got Cooper Cup for. DK Metcalf mm-hmm. is going for more money the next time because at the beginning of those drafts, people are feeling each other out. They don't know how high, how low to go. I love pouncing in the draft in those first few uh, nominations. Yeah. So I will say this. Um, if you guys are, uh, you know, fans of the show, friends, I just have to make this um, uh, comment here because there was an episode where, where Chandler was playing a fake card game with Joey and he was trying to give him money. And he says, uh, you, you got um, you got the sitting down bonus and he gave him extra money. I've been calling it the sitting down bonus because I feel like that's what's happening. You're getting extra money for free at the beginning of the draft. You want to be on alert for people just being tight and being a little nervous and like, hey, they they know that this is a long draft and they've got all their money and they're like, ah, the world is my oyster. And they're hesitant to go out and drop 45 bucks on their first player. But if it's Justin Jefferson, you need to be bidding when it's $45. So you have to pay attention at the beginning. Joe makes an excellent point. You just have to really watch what's happening at the beginning of the draft. Everything flows from the beginning and how things start. So I always say this. I know that this isn't a strategy for everybody. But when I'm preparing, I really like to have exact dollar amounts I want to spend on each position. Now, I know that doesn't work for everybody. I think it works for beginning auction drafters better. I don't need that necessarily anymore. But I like it because it's a little guide rail. That doesn't mean go in there and and say, I only can spend this amount. You still got to be flexible. But it helps you to not overspend. And so when the draft starts and you've got those numbers in front of you, you can see, are people going crazy? If they are, you can sit back and relax. You know that the the draft's going to come to you later. But if people are tight and a little nervous right at the beginning of the draft, you got to get in there right away because oftentimes that's when the best deals happen. So I believe that preparation ahead of time involves having your tier sheets that you know so that you know when the tears are drying up and you can get in there before they dry up and also you know joe said something too that i really like he says i like to clear my mind i say this all the time people bring too much crap into the draft room 
Auction draft is about flexibility and thinking on the fly. And if you have all these sheets in front of you, like pages and pages, and you're flipping and you're trying to decide, you are not going to be successful. Do your prep ahead of time. Have a have your tier sheet in front of you. Have your what you want to spend, and that's it. Don't bring average auction values into the draft with you. It's only going to make you nervous because you're going to be like, oh, oh well, uh, McCaffrey's supposed to go for this, and he's not there yet. Uh, I'm going to bid. Well, if you've already spent a hundred bucks, you shouldn't be doing that, and vice versa. If he's uh, you know, too high, you're going to say, oh, I can't do that. But if you don't have a player, you need to bid. So average auction values are good for prep, not good in the draft room. Yeah, I actually come up with our aver- average auction values cheat sheet at Fantasy Points, and I don't use it. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I like we need to have it because people want it, but I don't use it. And um, I, it gives me a good idea of what I think players should be going for. But inevitably, money is going to be spent, and that's going to artificially knock down some some players. Like, there's going, But also... This is one of the reasons if, if I had to do something to prepare, it would be to come up with a list of tiers and tiers, tiers are very important um, in any draft situation, but they are especially important in an auction situation. And I raised this point in my auction draft plan. And here's why tiers are important. If you're given the binary choice of drafting, cd lamb or george pickens you're drafting cd lamb over george pickens 10 times out of 10 like that's that's not an argument but what if you're given the binary choice of george pickens or elijah moore how many times are you confidently drafting pickens over more even if you have pickens higher than more on your rankings how are you confident in that is it seven to three is it six to four is it five to five if you have that choice 10 times And why tiers are important is this, because inevitably this will happen in your auction draft. This is going to happen in my auction draft tonight. There is going to be a worse player who gets, who goes for five, $10 more than a better player because everybody in the room is going to be like, Ooh, that's the last top 12 running back. Mm -hmm. And even though Tony Pollard went for 37 bucks. Somebody's going to bid up, I don't know, Ramondre Stevenson to 43 because he's the last in a tier. I So tiers are so important because I want to draft my players from the middle of a tier. I do, Maybe I want to know where the guys at the top of the tier are going. Okay, uh, now Saquon Barkley went for $47. All right, so now I know where the value is on kind of those high-end, not McCaffrey tier, but like that next tier of running backs. All right, I want one of those players. So I want to draft my guy when there's three of them still on the board as opposed to going and having to go after the last one in that tier. So that's why tiers are important. If there was one step that I was going to take to bring something tangible to my draft, it would be a tiered sheet. I absolutely love it. When I was thinking of this show – I've done drafts in the past. I've used the fantasy point auction cheat sheet, to be honest. And what I do is I kind of, I sit there, I look, a player comes up and I, I am one of those guys though, that will look over. I I love the tears, 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 tears. That's the name of your uh, paragraph in the draft plan. And it's what I was thinking in my head before I even got to the article. I always do look over and I, I, cause I want that ballpark figure of, okay, Josh Jacobs is coming up. We got him for 30 to 35. If you guys want, go over to fantasypoints.com. The tier sheet is there, the 2023 auction cheat sheet. You're going to get all of the positions broken down individually, 
There's tiers. There's a price value by weeks, all the great stuff. Joe did a fantastic job on there. Uh, so I just want to give a, a quick plug to that. Now, Drew, you're a guy who I've seen draft in an auction several times, and you're always making little notes and you're, you're writing down pricing and, and all this. Can you kind of explain your process of, you know, money that you've got earmarked per position and how you want to go about uh, filling out your roster with that allotted cash? Yeah, and that goes back to what I uh, said at the beginning that I understand this isn't for everybody. But I really push to my followers that the way to get better until you're comfortable doing this without it is to have exact numbers for each position on your sheet. So, okay, I, I have to draft a kicker and a D. I'm going to write $1 next to those. And then I'm going to go through and I'm going to have exact numbers. So when you see me making notes, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I've already got the numbers in front of me, and I've got a couple different options on which way I'm going to go. And as soon as I figure out at the beginning of the draft which way I'm going to go, then I'm taking notes on the page about what I paid and what I can expect to pay for the other spots. So, for example, if I say that I want to spend $28 on my wide receiver two and I just locked up Keenan Allen for $26, i am going to put a little plus two on my sheet and I'm going to write Keenan in there, and I'm going to say, okay, where is this $2 going to go? And I'm going to make a little notes about where I think I want to spend the extra money, where it's going to be most useful for how my draft is unfolding. Because you can't do that ahead of time. You don't know. So when you get in there and you say, okay, well, wide receivers are way too expensive, but there's really some value on these second-tier running backs. Maybe I'm going to slide that extra money to my RB2 spot. So that's what I'm doing. I'm really just making sure that I'm sliding the money to the right spots based on how the draft is developing early on and how I started my draft. I always see the same thing in drafts. Basically there's three drafters in an auction room. There's the guy who starts and they go stars and scrubs, which is I'm going to spend a ton of dough on, let's say Christian McCaffrey and Jamar chase. And then they get Mark Andrews and then they have no money left for anybody else. Then you've got the guys who are scared to buy anybody, so they end up with all this money left at the end of the draft. And then you've got sort of – this is where I think I fall into, and, and Joe alluded to it in his plan, is the so the upper middle class. I would say you're sort of the hot soccer mom shopping at uh, Kohl's or, or Target uh, in, in the suburbs, right, where you're, you're frugal, but you're still looking for – you know, and you still want some high-end stuff. You want people to think you got a little class when really you don't. Uh, and that's kind of where I fall. What do you guys see with the – and then there's the people that have no idea what they're doing. They're just along for the ride. So what do you guys feel about those the options here? Your stars and scrubs or your middle of the road or you're just Mr. Value, Joe? I don't know if 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 what Drew's preference is here. Stars and scrubs is not for me. Um, mm-hmm. It's really hyper-fragile. Um, I do, and I hate when I, when I spend all my money early and I'm just waiting around and then I'm scratching my nuts, you know, waiting for the $1 values to fall it first and foremost, it's a hyper fragile way to draft, not saying you can't win that way, mm-hmm. you know, like it, like for instance, it, the problem is though, you have to have it. It's a luck strategy, quite frankly. Because people are going to get hurt every year and guys are going to have a down year. If you select the right players in a stars and scrub approach, you're going to blow everybody away. But if you select the wrong players, and this this is self-evident, 
you're going to get your ass kicked. You know, last year, <laughs> uh, last year, a team that had, you know, Austin Eckler and Mahomes and Kelsey and Justin Jefferson on it, it didn't matter who else you had. You're winning your league or you're at least competing for your championship. But if your team last year had, um, let's say, uh, let's just say uh, uh, Mark Andrews was your tight end and you had, um, you know, Michael Thomas a couple years ago, that team is is initially dead on its on its uh, dead where it lies. That so I am definitely somebody. Look, the one thing that I, I can't make, stress enough though is you can't just sit in your draft room and say, "Oh, I'm just going to get all values," because there will be players. There, believe me, there will be players where you're going to go in your draft. Ah, crap! That guy went for 14 bucks when I got a player who's the same guy for 25. Hope is not a strategy in an auction. If you wait around and you're just like, oh, I'm just going to get all the values. Not only are you going to have money left over at the end of your draft. First and foremost, Drew, I don't know about you. I've never been in an auction draft where somebody who has the most money left over at the end of it gets a prize. I've never been in that. And you don't get to use that money elsewhere. Um, so that's that guy, that value guy, you're going to be sick to your stomach if you have $13 left over at the end of your draft what looking at the players who went for $13, like you're going to be sick to your stomach. I guarantee you. So you can't just be the guy who just waits around for values. You want to be selective. You want to be aggressive, but you don't want to just be, you don't want to just be like, Oh man, everybody's spending is going nuts because eventually you run out of good players. So I am definitely the upper middle class um, drafter. I call the person who has the most money, the hammer. It's just a term I've come up with. There, by the middle of my draft, I kind of want to fluctuate between having the hammer or being close to it, and then I'm willing to drop to the bottom of my league in available money for the right player. And then I wait a couple rounds, and then maybe I get another player, and I'm back up towards the top. I kind of want to be the person. I never want to be the person who always has the most money left. I At points, I want to have the most money, but I want to use that money. And that's really the best way to draft, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that you you said quite a few things that I love there. Um, first of all, absolutely, Stars and Scrubs is just, it's fragile. The only caveat I would issue there is if you're in a small league, like an 8 or 10 team league, it's a more viable strategy. And you need to differentiate in your starting lineup. So I'm going to shove a lot of my money to the starting lineup. So I'm going to be a little bit more uh, top-heavy in smaller leagues. But one thing that I would point out, too, is um, I'm I'm uh, completely on board with with Joe, uh, you know, and talking about the upper middle class. That's exactly how I draft. But I will say this: you don't, you would never leave a snake draft and say, "Hey, I got uh, four fourth rounders, but I didn't have a first and second rounder." So there is a tightrope that you have to walk between spending. You have to have a first and a second rounder, or at least a couple second rounders. So you got to get a couple guys, but where people go nuts is they're so excited that they can buy four of those guys. And then that's all they can buy. You got to get one or two of those guys and then you relax and you wait for the draft to come back to you to get those third and fourth round talents. And I think what I love about auctions is that you can really, after you get those one or two, you can really smash the third and fourth round values. And what I loved about your comment about value is this. I say this all the time. 
you have to get used to the idea that you're going to pass up some values. You just yep. do. You don't have infinite roster spots. And you're going to love a lot of these guys, and you're going to love some of the values. You just got to get over it. Just shrug and move on and say, hey, well played to this other guy. He got a deal, but I can't afford it. I don't have the roster spots. Just get used to it and just pass them by, move on. If it works for your build, don't worry about what they're doing. You know, and and the last thing I'll say is when when all this is is happening in a draft, it may be sometimes hard because you get this idea like, oh, I just made a mistake. Sometimes it's a hindsight mistake. Like you don't know that that's going to be a value until later. So you're beating yourself up for spending $24 on a guy that you had valued for 26 because some other guy came in at 17. Well, you didn't know that 17 was going to happen when you spent the 24. Don't beat yourself up for hindsight mistakes that aren't really mistakes. Drew, you made an unbelievable point. And one of the things that I, I think we probably should have put at the top of this show is in an auction draft, salary cap draft, whatever you want to call it, there are two types of capital. And they're both finite. You're the money you can spend and the roster spots that you can fill. Um, and and that's that that's why I want to go back to a point that I made earlier. Let's just say everybody who's a hot sleeper, Skymore. Okay, he's a hot sleeper. Oh, you want him, you bring him up in your first round of nominations, and you're like, all right, I got Sky Moore for 14 bucks. You know, he's that. Sleeper that I love. There are going to be five Sky Moors later in the draft who are going to go for three dollars. So you you don't want to be the type of guy who's using a roster spot and more capital to draft the hot sleeper early in your draft just because he's the guy you really want. Because inevitably you're going to say, "Oh, I don't like I don't like Elijah Moore as much as I like Sky Moore," but Elijah Moore goes eight rounds of nominations later and for eleven fewer dollars because you couldn't because you were so excited to bid on Sky Moore. So I want to ask you, how do you approach, because in in, in, in auction drafts, mid-round guys are going to be coming up for nomination in the first two rounds. It, it always happens. How do you approach those kind of like hot mid-round sleepers in, in your auction draft? Well, I will I will say that the the chief thing I caution people about is if you reach too deep into your tier sheets early, then a guy who might be three to five dollars is going to be eight to ten, and so reaching too deep doesn't work. Now, I, you could go all the way to the other end of the spectrum, and if you nominate Puka Nakua, you know you, you're probably going to get him for a buck. But I'm talking about like you're saying the perfect kind of guys, like the Sky Moore, the Elijah Moore. Those guys are going to be more expensive because people are excited and they're like, "Hey, I got two hundred bucks. It doesn't matter if I spend eleven bucks on Elijah Moore." You should not be spending eleven bucks on Elijah Moore, or at least I don't think. Even so. if that's how you have them valued, exactly, exactly, yeah. and that that's like reaching in the in the sixth when you can get more in the eighth. So it's just it's it's one of those don't reach too far down into the tier uh, sheets. You get too cute. The early parts of the auction, um, you know, are just going to see price inflation the farther down you reach. Um, Drake, one, one other thing I want to point out about the early rounds of the auction before mm -hmm. we, we move on. One thing I said in my auction draft plan, Drew, is it, now let's presume this is a one quarterback league. Superflex is completely different and we can't cover everything. Um, I will, I will, and you will too, inevitably get value at the quarterback position. It's just a matter of where is that value coming from? Because 
I want to see what the Mahomes and the Hurts and the Allen are going for. And if in a 12-team league, the the room is being shy on the quarter, it could be a sharp room that's still shy on the quarterbacks. And people are unwilling to say, you know, Jalen Hurts, who I have is probably his value is as a $25 player. I will never pay that, even if that's how I have him valued. But if the room says on Jalen Hurts, you know, I'm not going to go above 11 or 12 bucks for him. I'll I'll be in on that. And I'll get my elite quarterback at a de- deflated value. But if if the elite quarterbacks are going where I have them valued, $20, $25, there is still – we talked about the, the roster construction and the fact that you have finite rust, roster spots. In an auction draft, you will get value at quarterback position, whether it's high end or low end. Because even if it's a room – that is spending up at quarterback, 25 for Mahomes, 23 for Allen, 26 for Hertz. Or it's a room that's going $10 for Hertz, $11 for Allen. Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, all of those guys in both of those rooms will be $1 quarterbacks. So I'm going to look early in the draft. I'll, I'll, I might nominate Jalen Hurts tonight and say, all right, let's see, are the fish biting on Jalen Hurts? And if they are, then I know I'm going to be drafting Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones, one and $2 quarterbacks. And if they're not biting on Jalen Hurts, then I'm going to get my positional advantage by paying a few extra bucks because it's going to be for way less than I have that player value. And, and I, I'm, <laughs> we just keep going back and forth here, Joe. Um, I know Brian's got more questions for us, but that brings up a really important point. When you're starting out in the draft, I think that, one of the underrated things to do and uh, something that people just don't think about enough is that when you see things developing a certain way, you should be thinking about your nomination and how you're going to continue to nudge things that way or pull things back. Like if your plan is that you want one of those quarterbacks and they're going really expensive, you should move away from that when it comes to you. But if, if there's some value happening here, you should be nominating that quarterback to try to lock it up. So pay attention to your nominations. They set up how your draft's going to go. Don't waste those nominations. Make sure that you are, are, are pushing the draft as much as you can. There are only so many things we can control at an auction. So why would we give that away? So early on, focus on your nominations, pushing your draft the way you want the draft to go as much as possible. The bottom line is that the NFL has a 98% injury rate and injuries aren't disappearing anytime soon. So are you tired of tagging Edwin Porras and other injury analysts in tweets wondering when your top players will be back from injuries? Are you tired of wondering if you should place a prop bet on a guy coming off a high ankle sprain? Are you tired of asking if you should buy low or sell high in Dynasty because a guy had an ACL tear? Well, stop and grab a copy of the Injury Prone Draft Guide and Playbook. Stop worrying about injuries and how they affect your DFS lineups, your prop bets, your survivor pools. The injury-prone draft guide and playbook will show you exactly how players perform after injuries with a decade of data and historical precedent so you can make optimal decisions. The injury-prone draft guide and playbook also includes 40-plus player profiles on skilled players with an injury history or injury concerns headed into 2023. With 10-plus years of NFL injury data and performance metrics for players after a foot, ankle, ACL injury, you name it. It features tiers and rankings on top players by ADP 
based on injury and performance risk and handcuffs to target based on teammate injury risk. For redraft fanatics, the injury-prone draft guide and playbook won't just help you draft, but also help you draft a successfully uh, a better team. They'll help you navigate trades, waiver wire decisions, and players that cut with five years performance metrics. Uh, with looking at high ankle sprain, hammies, concussions, other injuries. You guys are getting the point. There's a lot of good stuff in this book. Metrics included yards per route run, targets. Targets per route run, more advanced statistics. I promise you folks, as it is not as hard to read this book as it is for me to get through this read, all right? If you bought a subscription to fantasypoints.com or something similar, the injury-prone draft guide and playbook takes the most common questions asked throughout the year and puts it right down on paper. The only regret you're going to have is not taking advantage of the resources in this book as it comes to injuries and injuries decision. The Injury Prone Draft Guide and Playbook is that resource. Use promo code INJURYPRONE25 for 25% off. This is our guy, Dr. Edwin Porras. That's Injury Prone 25 for 25% off. The link is in the show notes. You're going to want to get over there and check that out. My God, that was, uh, I pride myself on being a, a, a one take Drake. But uh, that one, that one kicked me in the balls like a hard auction after uh, one too many uh, Miller highlights. But I digress. So, fellas, I love when we, where we were going here. We're talking about nominations, and there is a whole theory in itself on nominations. Where, where it's early in the draft, I'm one of those guys who likes nominating players that I don't necessarily want to draft on my team, but I know they're going to draw money from somebody else. You know, somebody that year for me is like Kenneth Walker. I'm not big on Ken Walker this year. I just think there's too many issues with him and and maybe with that offense competing for touches. But I know there's other guys, especially when we get to that uh, that second, third running back tier, Ken Walker is going to command some good money. So, Drew, let me start with you. How do you nominate folks? Is there a – do you look at it and say, I'm going to nominate just guys I don't want and I want people to spend money on and – I want to make sure I'm sucking the last guy out of this tier because I'm good at the moment at that tier and I want these guys to spend money. Or are you someone that says, you know what? I want this guy. I'm putting him out and I'm going to go get him. Well, I think you got to mix it up. I mean, I think the answer is you don't want to be predictable. So the first thing I'm going to say is I'm going to take my cue at the beginning of the auction from what's happening in the room. If people are going nuts and they're spending a ton of money on every player that gets nominated, then I just got to step back, throw some chum in the water, and let them go nuts. But more often than not, I hear the same thing that you're saying here, Brian, which is that you want to nominate some people that are going to pull some money from the room. The great Moral Trembley from Football Guys had a fantastic uh, way of putting this. He said, if you feel like everyone in the room, or let's say, just for example, there's four guys who are going to be interested in a certain running back who's going to go for 50 bucks. If you nominate that running back, sure, you pulled 50 bucks from the room and that player has 50 less dollars. But if you leave that player on the board, you're occupying four guys with $50 and that's renting $200 of space in those guys' minds and they're not going to be as aggressive on other players. So I like to say that early on in the draft, I'm going to let the room dictate it. But more often than not, I think there's too much money in the room to be playing that game too early. So when it gets to you, if there's if, if it's overly aggressive, then just call somebody out you don't want. But otherwise, I want to be calling out people I do want early 
because I want to see if I'm going to get them. And if I don't, then I can adjust. But if I wait too long and then I call them out and then I don't get them, I may have missed on some other players that could have filled the void from when I missed. So I think early on, I really want to be nominating people I like um, because there's just too much money in the room to suck enough out to make a big difference right at the beginning. Now, in the middle stages of the draft, though, I really believe that you're probably in the zone where you're going to be wasting money at times um, on other managers' rosters because you want the draft to come back to you. You've spent some money, so you have to you have to mix it up. And I think it's really important because you see players in the room who nominate somebody, and they always end up with that player. You don't want to be that guy. I'm going to notice that. I'm going to pull an extra two, three, five bucks from you every time you nominate somebody because I know you're going to go buy them. So mix it up a little bit. Do one, do the other, read the room. Nominations are so big. I did an entire episode of this on my show because I think people underestimate how huge nominations are. Um, it's always important to keep an eye on not just who has the most money in the room, but who needs players in certain tiers. And so when I'm getting into nominations, um, let's just say I do get Justin Jefferson. Um, or, or maybe let's go even further down the board. Let's say Drew used the example of Keenan Allen. And I said, you know, I want, I want one of my, these receivers who's going to go for 20 to 25 bucks that I have as like a third tier receiver. And if I have that player on my roster, I will nominate players from that same tier because I'm already well fed, man. I'm a shark who just ate. I'm going to throw chum into the water. Uh, and see who else is going to compete for that for that chum because I'm well fed already and this is why I like getting players at the beginning or the middle of a nomination tier because that way you can play the game and understand that I don't need this player I'm going to nominate him I'm not even going to I'm going to nominate him for one dollar and I am going to just let it chill because I know damn well that the other sharks are going to be swarming around that. And I might not even look at the rest of the nominations. So there's always, there's always that give or take. And that's what, why getting guys early and in the middle of a tier of a tier that you've targeted is so important because it allows you to kind of relax while everybody else is competing in that room. So it's, it's really a, it is a give or take here early in the draft. Um, I want to see what those elite elite players are elite for a reason. I might not have the plan that I'm getting one of Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase. But if the room says, you know, this guy's going to go for cheaper than you think, then I will have Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase. So elite players are elite for a reason. In the first second round of nominations, it's inevitably going to be a player that you're going to, or at, at the very least, not just, not maybe not want, but can envision on your roster. But definitely in those middle rounds, once once the tiers start to thin out, that's when I'm nominating guys I don't want. Yeah, and we can easily spin off this too, Joe. You had a, a great point in your article about, you know, say somebody comes up and they're going for less than they should and you now get into a bidding war, you better be damn sure that you want to get that yeah. player. In your article, you reference, say you got Justin uh, Herbert for 15 bucks, okay? And Lamar Jackson comes up next and Lamar Jackson's not going for what he should. And you're like, damn it, I'm not going to let somebody get Lamar Jackson on the cheap but all of a sudden the price goes up and up and up. And now you're stuck. As you say in the article, the room goes silent. And now you're sitting here with, you know, holding the bag on two quarterbacks and now you're out of money. So uh, I'd love to get your guys thoughts on this. If you're going to bid up somebody and get into a war, you kind of got to be ready to win. There's that delicate balance that I was going to ask Drew about because 
if you drew drew just referenced he knows he's gonna suck that extra three to five dollars out of the guy who's always nominating the players he wants but drew there is that bout now two quarterbacks is the most extreme example two quarterbacks in a one quarterback league because in that league you can only play one of those guys there is going to be an, an instance, Drew, where maybe you get saddled with a player who you thought you were going to get the the extra bid out of out of the nominator. How do you approach that if it's a player that you really don't want? Is it do you if you're getting into that artificial bidding war trying to suck the money out of that that player, is it always on a player who at the very least, if you got him, you were okay with with landing him? Usually, yes. So when I say that I know that I can get that three to five bucks out of somebody, I want to be really sure. So one thing you'll learn about me anytime you listen to me, I'm a nit. You know, I'm not a guy who is very, I'm just very risk averse. I'm not a guy who's going to be very dangerous with this kind of stuff. So one of the things that I do when I create my own values is I put a column out there called a market price value. And that's a price at which I will not let somebody else in the room get the player below that price. So, for example, uh, I might put a price of like 19 bucks on on Patrick Mahomes or something like that, a market price. And I'm going to say, nobody in the room's getting Patrick Mahomes for 18 bucks. That ain't happening. I'm not letting that happen. So I'm going to say 19. Now, if I already have my guy, that changes things. So I don't want to get into a risky situation that's going to ruin my draft. And one of the things that I talked about with the Kings Classic was, there was several very exuberant bidders in that room when it came to rookies. And I knew that I was leaving a little meat on the bone because I could have bid these guys up a little bit, but it was too important for me to finish my draft the way I wanted it to try to get, get in there and get stuck with Jackson Smith and Jigba for 17 bucks when I didn't want to pay more than nine for him. So that wasn't important enough to me. So I say there's two ways that you can bid people up. And I think that one of them is inherently super risky and the other one isn't as much. One of them is just baldly bidding someone up because you have a read on them and you think they really want the player. That's super risky. I don't advise most people do that ever, but if you got a good read on somebody, that's cool. You know, you feel comfortable, but you really got to feel comfortable. The other way though is the market price enforcing. I think that's got to be an essential part of your game. And I don't want it to be something that you build in um, this idea in your head that, okay, I have to bid this on on every guy that doesn't get to this market price. You can't ever do anything categorically in an, in an auction, first of all. But second of all, I'm going to be comfortable only because I'm only bidding as far as I feel comfortable. So that I know that's a weird way of saying it, but for instance, if Austin Eckler is stalling out in the low 30s, it doesn't bother me to say 33 or 35 or 37 because that's that's price is too good for me to stop. So I generally have those values in my head and I feel pretty good getting them to a certain price. It's usually 60 to 70% of, of their average auction value. And so, yes, to answer your question in a really long-winded way, I want to be okay with that guy coming onto my team for that price. And then because I'm so risk averse, I'm just going to stop after that. If I already know that I've got my RB1 and and um, Eckler approaches 40 bucks, even though I don't think he should go for 38, I'm probably going to stop because I don't want to land Eckler for 40 or 41 because it's going to ruin the rest of my draft. I hate that. And then the next four months, you think about why did I do that? So, yeah, I, I really want to be okay with that guy. 
if if I'm going to be making those moves. Let me ask you guys about the onesie positions. We talked a little bit about quarterback at tight end. It's kind of a situation this year. You have Travis Kelsey or you don't. Okay. Yeah. So someone's going to bid up and spend a lot of money on Travis Kelsey. I'm looking at our auction sheets over at Fantasy Points. Joe, you got Travis Kelsey, the $50 plus player in a, a tier all by himself. So these onesie positions, how do you guys attack them in an auction setting? Uh, Joe, let's start with you. Yeah, I already mentioned how I do the quarterbacks. I'm getting value mm-hmm. at quarterback, and yep. it, whether that's um, whether that's with a quarterback who an elite quarterback who should have gone for more, or I'm getting a one dollar quarterback. I, I almost view tight end as the same way, except inevitably in auctions that I've done the last the last couple of years, Kelsey just goes for more than I'm willing to spend. Um, but I also understand the the appeal of an elite tight end because Mark Andrews was – I won thousands of dollars with Mark Andrews two years ago. Um, but last year, it was really Kelsey or bust. I am more likely than not going to be – I don't want to say dumpster diving, but I'm probably going to let Kelsey go. And I'll, I'll, then I'll see what is Mark Andrews going for? What is Darren Waller going for? And if those guys are going for cheaper than I think they should, then I'll approach those like I do the high-end quarterbacks. That's how I'm looking at tight end this year. What about you, Mr. Davenport? Yeah, I, I, if I'm going to spend money at wide receiver and running back, I'm always pulling money from quarterback and tight end, just almost always. I'm never going to pull it from like my wide receiver three. I'm going to yank the money from quarterback and tight end because I think it's easiest – as Joe said it earlier, it's just the easiest to find the value. It, it really is. But I will say this too, that when you get into a snake situation, most people advocate, and I'm one of them, that I'm not really chasing a lot of the, lot of those mid-tier tight ends in the middle rounds because there's too many players I like right there. But an auction doesn't force you to make that choice because you can still get those mid-tier tight, uh, tight ends that you like, uh, like a Dallas God or, or David Njoku or something, because ultimately – with the onesie positions, there's going to be some weird price glitch at some point. And I usually see it at tight end. The other night I was in an auction and I got Pat Fryermuth for $3. And I thought, what a weird thing. Son of a happened. bitch at Pat Fryermuth. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Brian's good. Brian's good friend. <laughs> but, you know, that's weird. And then I got uh, another night I was in a draft and I got Njoku for four. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't think these guys are world beaters. But for three dollars, heck yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. So there's always a weird price glitch of a middle guy. I ended up getting this is a three hundred dollar cap. I ended up getting Goddard the other night for eleven, and that's an insanely good price for a guy that has his profile. So I'm what I'm on the lookout for that kind of thing. But more often than not, I've jammed all my money at wide receiver, and I'm pulling it from the tight end spot. So I'm doing what Joe says. I'm dumpster diving, and I'm probably gonna get if the rosters allow i'm probably going to get three guys if i can but definitely two and i'm just going to go for something like a you know a gerald everett tyler higby combo or a you know dalton schultz uh, hayden hurst kind of thing and just grab two of them and hope that one of them is your producer a lot of great stuff here before we get out of here anything else you guys feel you want to impress upon our audience they're going into an auction this weekend what is something they have to know if they learn anything from this podcast besides the fact that I can't read? Uh, so, number one, do not spend more than a dollar on kicker and defense. Do not do it. 
Do not do it. Um, and and I, I'm going to tell you why. Even if you really, really like the 49ers defense, somebody spending – you can nominate the 49ers defense. Somebody going to 2 or $3 for that, that's 2 or $3 they don't have later. And here is why I'm saying do not spend more than $1 on it. Not just because they're hard positions to project, but here is why. At the end of your draft, you will be stunned by how much that extra dollar comes in handy. Um, and here is a quality of life tip that first-time auction drafters always mess up. Let's just say you have one roster spot left and you have one sleeper, that guy that you have to have, and you have $4 left, okay? Make sure you are putting your maximum bid in with your final nomination if you really want that player because it you can get to a point where somebody ties your maximum bid and you can't go above it because you because the, you got into a kind of a pseudo bidding war. If you're with your last roster spot and you have $4 left over, there is no need to nominate that player for $1. If you put $4 in as your nomination and somebody can top that, so be it. But you do not want to get into a situation where somebody then puts in a $4 bid for that player, you can't go above it, and that guy gets the player for the $4 that you had. Because if, if you haven't done an auction yet, uh, in a roundabout way of saying, bidding is comes in usually dollar inc increments. Early in the draft, it can be you can put in a manual bid for much bigger. Um, but at the end of the draft, it's always going to be $1 increments because that's really all people have left. If you have... $4 left over and one roster spot left over. And there is Kenny Gainwell's out there. Oh, it doesn't matter if you have Kenny Gainwell as a $1 player. You only have $4 left over. And you don't get to keep that money after the draft. So put the $4 bid in there. Get the player you want. If somebody can top it, so be it. But put your maximum bid in on your last roster spot. Because that is the only way to ensure that you don't get artificially bid out of a player you want. I love it. And the kicker and D thing drives me nuts. Never spend more than a buck. And also save your kicker and D nominations for late because you're going to want to punt a couple times late and not call out the guy you really want. And you're going to be so happy to be able to call out your kicker and just move on. But um, Drake, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I got two. Number one is you absolutely cannot take your game to the next level if you're not keeping track of caps in the room. You just got to know what everybody's doing. And online, it's a little bit easier because uh, yes. it, the site tells you, but you have to watch it. You have to watch it. There is going to be somebody in the room, and I, I call it the rule of it just takes one because there's only it only has to be one other guy in the room that has money, and you're going to be fighting for that last player. you got to know who that guy is, and maybe you can aim some nominations at him or try to drain his cap some way, but you got to keep track. If you're not keeping track, you're not going to be a next-level auction drafter. And the second thing I'll say is, I don't want people to get carried away with this idea, but I have never regretted spending a couple extra bucks on a top-level player. I have regretted backing off and then not having enough players to get with the money that I saved later. So, and I'm not saying to sit there and you know uh, and spend twelve bucks over what you were going to spend on a player, but I've never regretted going an extra two, three, four bids on an, a truly elite player because there just aren't enough of them. So you'll never regret that. You will regret having that money later and not having anybody to spend it on. 
I love it. Folks, if you need a defense to pick late, and this is actually an article. Joe, I swear I'll get you this article one of these days. Uh, if you need a defense to pick, I got two for you. How about the Saints? Look at this opening schedule early on. Their Titans, Titans, Panthers, Packers, Bucks, and the Broncos. Yeah, the Raiders, Commanders, Dolphins, and all right, and the Bears. A couple of the defenses. Just to put in your back pocket, need somebody for a dollar. Uh, guys, this was super fun. Drew, thank you so much. You're my drinking buddy in Canton, Ohio. Glad we could get you on the two-point stance. Follow Drew on Twitter, at Drew Davenport FF. He's doing work on his Patreon channel, at Football Guys, at 4 for 4. I mean, of course, the Auction Brief podcast, uh, powered by FightingChanceFantasy.com. Got to give love to that. Uh, what a great show, man. Thanks for coming. Anything else out there you need to get out into the ethos? I don't think you know. I don't think there's much, but my most popular episode of this uh, of every summer just dropped this morning. That's the auction manifesto. I go through everything you need to know before your auction draft in one 90 minute episode. So check that out. If you need me to come do any reads on that show, I am available. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have my number, uh, Joe. Good luck tonight in your home draft. Uh, I can't wait to see the squad. Text it to me as I'll be uh, 38 white claws deep on the golf course. Yeah, I'm uh, 7:15 this evening Eastern Time, so I'm uh, I'm I'm already looking forward to it. I just sent out the reminder email to the to the league mates to get all all the straggler uh to get all the straggler payments in. It's 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 going to be a fun one, right? Oh, and you don't want to do a draft online with an auto pick team. My God, that is oh, the worst thing no, in the no, world. No. That's that's I, number one. If you want to switch to an auction, guys, and, and this is a quality of life tip before we go out here. If you want to switch to an auction. You have to be adamant that everyone's there. The, yes. the auto draft team will suck, but the problem is the software is going to artificially bid up guys. You're not going to be able to get values. It completely ruins the natural the natural flow of the draft. No question about it. And if you're enjoying the flow of everything we're doing here, make sure you subscribe to this Fantasy Points YouTube channel or go into your podcast feed. Make sure you leave us a five-star review on Apple iTunes and get over to FantasyPoints.com. Sign up today. Get your cheat sheets. Get all everything you're going to need for your drafts these next two weeks. Trust me, I'm downloading these sheets. I'm using them in my drafts as well. For Joe Dolan, for our guest, the great Drew Davenport, I am Brian Drake. We'll see you next time on the Two Points Dance. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Fantasy Points.